Welcome to Cash Money. My name is Kareem Rafa. I'm the COO of Cash, and I'm joined today with my CIO, Brian Hankey, and also with Seth, the tech product lead at Phil, and also the founder at Ellen Reuter. Welcome both. Great to have you on air, and uh, let's get this started. Seth, can you tell us a bit about yourself, how you got here, and what you've been up to, man? Yeah, thank you very much, and thank you for having me. So, I'm Severin. I'm the founder of uh, Ellen Reuter, which is a service on the Lightning Network that it's basically a rating agency for nodes in the Lightning Network, a Bitcoin Lightning Network, if you don't know uh, what the Lightning Network is. And on the other side, I run BirdDog, which is an agency to match investors with property developers and startups. Our main technology there that we are developing right now is a social media outreach application. We are mostly focused on LinkedIn there, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically connecting or reaching out to the right people and connecting them to make investments happen. That's interesting, man. But how did you? So how did you fall into this? Because because working in blockchain and optimization on the Lightning Network on one hand, with Ellen Router, but also Bird Dog, is that right? Yeah. And how did you connect those two? And you know what what was the inspiration there, man? Tell us a bit about yourself. It's a very interesting journey uh, experience there. So in 2019, I quit my job in a Swiss uh, advertisement startup. And I was telling myself, uh, back there I was product lead, uh, technical product lead there. And I was telling myself, I wanna do my own thing. I wanna do my own service. I wanna do my own business. So I quit my very well paid job in Switzerland, went to Bali, uh, basically wanting to live there as a digital nomad, then was the question, what business am I gonna start? And turns out Bali has a big entrepreneur community. And I found a lot of Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs down there that do their own services that uh, are in all kinds of industries. Ellen Router was mostly founded out of my interest uh, into the Lightning Network and into crypto. Mm -hmm. I started to think about the Lightning Network. It was very inefficient when I got into it, uh, like a year and a half ago. And I thought I can optimize that. I can do something better there. And that's how Ellen Router um, started. And with BirdDog, it was more with a collaboration with my business partner, Eric. He has a lot of contacts in Bali. And there are a lot of people building real estate in Bali very nice villas, mm-hmm. uh, hotels, and a and, lot more. And surprisingly cheap as well. <laughs> yes, it's surprisingly cheap. And th- the thing is, there are a lot of property developers in Bali that want to build properties, but they don't want to bother to find investors. Like, n- like they need to find investors mm. because that's their business model, but they want to concentrate on building cool and nice things, nice villas. But if they can outsource finding investors, that would be great for them. And so we just started to play around, like how can we potentially find good investors? And we, we, right. we searched on Crunchbase. We, we searched on all kinds of platforms to get good investors. Just like basically having a good investor list is already very valuable. Then finally we settled um, uh, with a tool that does outreaches on social media and just casually asks people, hey, we have this and this investment, are you interested? 
I'm curious what the traction is on that. I mean, I get messages on LinkedIn, I'm going to say every single day about people asking me to invest in their startup, in real estate, in, in a mine somewhere in, in central sub-Saharan Africa. And, and I'm, I'm curious what the, what the traction is when you cold approach people like that on social. It actually works pretty well. How should I say? We don't just reach out with a generic message. We use mm. GPT-3. I'm not sure if you hear of that. That's like a AI that uses uh, text generation to generate personalized messages uh, on uh, LinkedIn to reach out. Because okay. we do all this customization, because we not just like do like two sentences about the project, but actually send them like all the numbers, like what are, what were the previous returns for this property property that is similar? Mm. What are, uh, what is the experience of this team? Because we put everything together in a simple deck. Um, our numbers are actually pretty good. Um, just like response rate or, or people that want to know more. So we, if we reach right. out to 10 people and of these 10 people, around five people want to know more about the project. And then maybe like awesome. two people end up to do real um, conversations with the actual property developer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it works pretty well. That's really cool. That's a, me so it's a, mes a message to everyone listening who does this. Who does this? Definitely don't send out cold emails. That shit doesn't stick. Send out full decks. That works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also like do like properly vet the profiles that you're going to reach out to because if you just do like random mm -hmm. reach outs it doesn't work you need to like go on these profiles check out do they work in the right industry do they have the right keywords on their profiles like it's a lot of vetting involved otherwise your uh, response rate will be so bad mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no i can imagine right i mean you want to vet first and then and then spray and pray a little bit less i guess and make sure that you get some a lower bounce rate yeah exactly did you build it as a did you build it as a platform or is it a just personal connections and and somewhat behind the scenes platform that you guys handle personally yeah so right now it's all based on our connections and we have an internal tool to reach out mm -hmm. as soon as we get a little bit more traction so we're still like we know it works but we're still building this thing up slowly because there are a lot of like, if you build such a project up, there are a lot of other things that come up. Like how can these people invest? Like what legal vehicles mm -hmm. can they use to invest in such a property? A lot of developers also don't really have good decks. So we need to work a lot, not just on this uh, technology, but also on things around. I guess it's different also depending on each, each geographic region you want to expand into, for example. Right now you're doing it in Bali. It's got a very special and specific investment principle. As far as I know, foreigners aren't allowed to own outright. You have to go through some sort of SPVs. And I guess if you were to expand this into different countries, it would have to require then, you know, the entire background knowledge for that specific geography. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's also like you need to build up personal connections in this region and you also need to building quality in bali for example is a big thing um is the mm. concrete still a good concrete in five years or does it have cracks all over the building and um, there are like specific right. things in each region that you need to look at 
No, it's very cool that you got to build that together. It's it's, a, it's an interesting concept. And I mean, connecting investors with service providers and, well, I guess, investment investable assets is, is a business that we're all way too familiar with, especially that we all work in crypto now and everyone wants to throw money yeah. at us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's cool. It's really cool. So when it comes to optimizing relationships, can you tell me a little bit more about Erlen Routers and, and how you optimize the Lightning Network and, and break it down for me in, in a way that our layman viewers, myself included, can understand? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, at least I want to try. I hope I will be successful. The first thing, everybody knows the Bitcoin blockchain. The Bitcoin blockchain, you can look at it like one big institution where you uh, send them a transaction they process the transaction and uh, the money is transferred. That's basically how it works. Mm -hmm. um, with the Lightning Network, the Lightning Network is faster than the, the Bitcoin blockchain and uh, it's cheaper than the Bitcoin blockchain. But in the Lightning Network, you don't really have a blockchain, but you have a network of servers slash nodes that process your payments. And you can't really think of the Lightning Network as um, an institution. It's more like I know three, four people in the network. And when I want to pay, let's say, I want to pay Brian. And when I want to pay Brian, I know that I'm connected to Brian through Alice, Bob, and Carl. And I know Alice, Bob, and Carl will redirect uh, forward money to me and forward money to Brian. That's basically how the Lightning Network works. And Alice, Bob, Carl, these are just ser servers, like in the Lightning Network, we call them routers. They route money, basically. Mm -hmm. That's also the reason why uh, Allen Router is called like it is. And mm -hmm. so you have this like peer-to-peer -peer network compared to this big institution slash blockchain Bitcoin network. Does this make sense so far? Definitely makes sense. So it rides on top, so to speak. It's a, a side chain. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, almost. Yeah. You have a problem in there. And the, the problem is the Lightning Network is so private. You don't know what transactions go through. You don't know how much money a node has on and all these things. And because it is so private, you don't really know what nodes in the network are reliable routing partners for you. You can't lose money in the Lightning Network, but the case that could happen is that first, it takes a long time to forward money, like you send money, and mm -hmm. it's just the node is down half of the time, like it's only up, only working half of the time and stuff like this. And that's you don't really want to have these funny nodes being connected to you. Allen Router, what Allen Router does is it measures the servers in the Lightning Network and it basically gives them a routing score from 0 to 100, 100 is the best, mm -hmm. and tells you, hey, this is a good node, this node will forward your money very fast and very reliable. Yeah, it basically judges capacity capacity in a sense how many bitcoins are on this node to be used uh, for forwarding mm -hmm. it judges response time and it judges connectedness like how good connected okay. is it to other nodes in the network you know glass node right okay so glass node is basically a portal okay. for traders 
um, that analyzes blockchain data and helps traders to do their trades. I was basically inspired by Glassnode to create like an information portal that can help routing nodes and help service providers to make their service better. Like it was the main idea at the beginning when I started out with Ellen Router. And when you're a merchant, let's say you have an online shop and you sell stickers or whatever, and there is the so-called LSP model, liquidity service provider model in the Lightning Network mm -hmm. that you only allow certain routing nodes to connect to you as a shop. And these routing nodes, they um, give you basically a contract um, that guarantees uptime, that guarantees liquidity, and all these metrics to be a good routing node. And the goal of Allen Router is first for to make these numbers visible, these contract numbers, like like measuring uptime, measuring capacity in response time, and to create a platform for these uh, LSP contracts. Yeah, play, create a platform for these LSP contracts, basically. Okay. It's very technical. Incredibly technical, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. But so 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 can can you explain then now that we kind of understand or that everyone understands what Ellen Router does and how the Lightning Network works and how it sits on top of, of the Bitcoin uh, blockchain, who would use who uses your platform and what's their advantage? Right now, there are two types of people that use Ellen Router. The first is routing nodes itself. Routing nodes itself to first know what their node is about and where they can optimize their node. And they also use it to attract more liquidity, like a signaling thing. Hey, I'm a good routing node. Mm -hmm. Second, this will come with Ellen Router version 2, which will come out in end of November. So pretty soon. The goal is to attract more merchants and shops to actually vet nodes, to actually vet nodes to improve capabilities of sending money. Okay. If I understand this correctly, it's, I mean, first, it's, it's pretty much a, a health, it's a health assessment tool for Lightning Network nodes, yeah. uh, similar, I guess, to what you would see when it comes to, to server health and so on, when you, when, if you work in, in uh, as a database admin. Yeah. What I said at the beginning, even though I don't really like the term, it's a rating agency, basically. It tells you, like, how good is this server? How good is the, the routing capabilities of this server? It's just... Rating agencies just have a bad name since 2008, the financial crisis. That's the reason why I don't like this name. <laughs> well, as long as you don't take bribes in Bitcoin, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, so what's the what's the development plan, I guess, after V2? Is there expansion within LNNet, within LN Router, or are you working on side projects as well? Do you want to develop this into something bigger? I feel like this is a, this is a capability that could be very well integrated as a rating metric on existing... Uh, you know, the, the coin market caps of this world. So I want to make it bigger. Definitely want to make it bigger. I have some ideas where it could potentially go. This information, for example, that I collect can be used to make payments even faster. They are already fast. I showed Brian an example two months ago or so how yeah. fast the Lightning Network payment is, but it can be even faster. 
it's more of a question where does the lightning the network itself move to because there is still a lot of development going on in the lightning network yeah it, it, it's, an, it's an open question but there is plenty of things to do let's say it like this no definitely yeah. faster faster transactions will definitely increase the applicable use cases or real life use cases for uh, for bitcoin transactions and well i guess lightning network transactions as well oh yeah definitely and the whole thing will just grow and like right now um uh, we have there are around let's say 1000 really reputable good lightning network routing nodes uh, in the game these are like smaller nodes with just 10 bitcoins on it or maybe bigger nodes with 100 or 500 bitcoins on it these are the players right now that are in the lightning network routing game and this is just growing exponentially so if you have a look at the lightning network chart how many bitcoins are locked up or the amount nodes in the lightning network it's basically going up exponentially since July or June, some, something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's when the, I mean, when, when the crypto interest peaks, the interest in side developments as well for optimization also peaks, right? I mean, it's where it's at. And it comes with, it comes with mass adoption as well, right? I mean, the more, the more the use cases develop themselves, the more of the problems need genuine fixes. People were okay with slow transactions for the longest time. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. It's, I'm really curious how far mass adoption will go uh, with the Lightning Network. Right now, the bottleneck is UI UX. So the whole tech is still like the web in 1997 or so. But mm -hmm. as soon as the whole UI UX improves, there will be a lot of people using like the lightning network and sending money over the lightning network when you are in a web shop right now you have all this tooling to use the lightning network and there are some good projects out there but how do you do how do i now export all these um, transactions to my accounting system for example like like it's just mm -hmm. the it works you can send transactions <clears throat> but there are like these small things that are not good yet that still need to be done, but they're actually a major obstacle in the, in the way of uh, lightning adoption. Do you have some examples? The one example was they were saying, if you have a, a system that allows you to transfer, or if you have a system that allows you to receive Bitcoin, lightning Bitcoin for your web shop, like how do you import these transactions and all the data into your accounting system, for example? Like, Mm -hmm. Comp compatibility between different systems and stuff like this or now i have my bitcoin in the lightning network how can i get my fiat out now there are some companies that are doing it right mm -hmm. now where you can send lightning to basically a fiat bridge but how does this work now in bulgaria or how does this work in whatever country legal wise it's like it's just it takes some time to for all these things to fall in place. I guess the, the applications for, for Lightning Network are, are groundbreaking and I understand that the, the idea is to build smart contracts on, 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 the, on the Bitcoin blockchain, similar to what is built on the Ethereum blockchain, right? There is a project, it's called RGB. They will bring Bitcoin smart contracts on uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. It's actually on the Bitcoin blockchain 
and on top of the lightning network. This will come out if there are no further development interruptions, probably beginning of 2022. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. It's like you will probably you will be able to create your own tokens as far as I know. You will be able to do NFTs on Bitcoin as well. Yeah, exciting. It will be completely different than uh, Ethereum because everything that you can do with Bitcoin smart contracts is done peer to peer. Uh, you don't really have a centralized like blockchain like um, Ethereum or Bitcoin itself because everything is peer to peer. All the things we do is basically between, let's say for example, between Brian and me. We communicate like Brian has let's say one kilo of gold, I have one Bitcoin. And if we want to do a trade gold against Bitcoin, then we just do this together in a secure mm -hmm. way without the need of uh, DEX or of Uniswap or, or, or whatever. It's literally, it's completely peer-to-peer, -peer, which is, yeah, interesting and gives... Okay. I guess the need for a DEX comes also from like a pricing transparency and liquidity perspective though, right? So how does that work if it's purely peer-to-peer? -peer? That's a good question. I actually don't know. I guess, I mean, I haven't <laughs> thought about this deeply, but I guess it's just, you try to negotiate, like Brian and me will, will try to negotiate price. And if we can't mm -hmm. agree on a price, then it will try with somebody else. And after I've talked to X people, then... Okay, I will figure out a good price or what's the actual price, but don't nail me down on that. I'm not an expert in these. These are just the proposals I saw so far. I believe Jack Dorsey from Twitter just published a white paper, uh, I believe last week, to um, do a peer-to-peer -peer exchange on mm -hmm. the Lightning Network. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. A lot okay. of exciting stuff going on. It's an exciting space. Do you know of any other projects that are out there that are being built on Lightning? I'm, I'm an Ethereum maximalist myself, so I'm not I'm not super tuned into Lightning and and, mm -hmm. the, and the Bitcoin blockchain. But are there any other ex, um, exciting projects so, out there that you've heard of? Basically, wallets, but that's like a not a big thing in the light. I mean, it's hard in, to do in the Lightning network. But the golden grail in the Lightning network is basically having a non-custodial wallet. And if you somehow could use these non-custodial funds in a wallet, if you could use that and earn um, routing fees on that, that would be great because then the wallet provider would earn routing money mm -hmm. on to would earn routing money with the funds of the user. Like th this would be really right. nice to do, and it would give. A lot of incentives to um, wallet creators. Other applications are swap services, like basically on-off ramps from the Lightning Network. Ethereum has the same as far as I know, Polygon on and off ramps, smart contracts. Um, what's also interesting in development right now is recurring payments. When you have a service and you have a subscription on the service, what happens there is you pay the service monthly $10, I mean $10 or worth of Bitcoin or whatever. And having this recurring payment directly implemented in the Lightning mm -hmm. specification 
would be great because then you can just say, um, hey, I like this service and like to pay this service 10 bit, no, not 10 Bitcoin, but 10 US dollar worth of Bitcoin every month. And you can authorize this service. And as soon as you don't like to have this service anymore, you can just cancel this service in your wallet and then your subscription is gone. That's also, mm-hmm. it's a thing actually looking forward to, to get rid of all the credit card subscriptions that are so dubious and just sometimes you can't. I try to cancel my, uh, my Wall, Street, Wall Street Journal um, subscription. It was a nightmare. I had to call them. They tried mm-hmm. to convince. Like I was basically yeah. <laughs> calling with them for thirty minutes to cancel my subscription, and I was in Bali back then, so that was it was an expensive call. Would have yeah, been cheaper inside, to keep it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have the same issue with Bloomberg as well. Every time I want to cancel something, they're like, "Oh, how about a special rate?" <laughs> At some point, they got a little bit aggressive there, and then they stopped trying to convince me. <laughs> Yeah. sales at their finest man yeah, yeah. So we can all aspire uh, to be <laughs> yeah smart contracts will be big on lightning because they're a bit different than smart contracts on the ethereum blockchain the applications will be a bit different but that's all yeah we'll see what what comes mm-hmm. there it's all relatively new yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, it does. It definitely fixes a lot of the problems that I used to see with Bitcoin. And the main reason why I'm, I'm I was always so much bigger on Ethereum than Bitcoin is the, I guess the 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 applications just weren't there, right? The the entire fact that you could have smart contracts, that you could have decentralized exchanges, and so on, it's wasn't necessarily available on yeah. on that's right. With Bitcoin. Although for a very specific reason, like from a decentralization standpoint and you might disagree with me uh, there ethereum does other trade-offs than bitcoin and let's see how ethereum will be in 20 or 30 years from a decentralization perspective they're still working on their i mean there are challenges in all cryptocurrencies including bitcoin but i'm not sure how decentralized Ethereum will be in 30, let's say 30 years or so in the future. Well, I guess it, I mean, fundamentally the, also the move to proof of stake will somehow put power in, in the, in the top 1% of holders, right? I yeah. Mean, that's yeah. kind of what it, mm. that, that's, that's yeah, the trade off. <laughs> but also from a technical perspective, because you have to save all these transactions somehow that Ethereum is generating. Bitcoin has, I believe right mm-hmm. now, it's 10 to 15 transactions a second with SegWit. Um, and Ethereum right now has how many transactions a second? I think it's 14. Or Four. theoretically, it's 14. But it, okay. in reality, it's a little less. Yeah. It's always a bit slower. But with proof of stake, this <laughs> thing will just explode. And you somehow have to save all yeah. these transactions and make it available to all the users. And... I see that as a potential problem because this amount of data that needs to be saved over 10, 30 years in the future, this will just be enormous. And we will see some, I mean, maybe they'll find a solution to this. I don't know. But I predict we will see some centralization in the Ethereum blockchain in this time span. But let's see. Right. 
I can I can some something like power nodes, mm-hmm. so to speak, in the Ethereum blockchain, which fundamentally centralize yeah, it to some extent. Exactly. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's an exciting time, man. I mean, I, I come from the banking background myself, and this was this was ridiculous of an idea to me back in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I can see that, and it's just it's just accelerating, in my opinion. Well, it's, it's, it's accelerating for, for macro reasons as well. I mean, yeah, the tech is picking up and the availability and I mean, just the from a user interface perspective as well, it was a lot more complicated 10 years ago. And now it's almost yeah. baby steps simple to from everything from just like, you know, buying crypto to to buying NFTs to whatever else. It's, it's very, it's actually easier to use, you know, the, the Coinbases or whatever else out there than it is to use most traditional banking platforms. I mean... You know, take a hint, HSBC. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Agree with you there. Yeah, and I guess also, I mean, just from a, from a macro monetary perspective as well, there's a lot of money out there and it's got nowhere to really go. So, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'm not surprised that people are throwing it into into something that's booming, which then, you know, fulfills its own boom. That's how it grows. Good, I mean, that's the whole financial system is kind of wrecked with all this money printing going on and i don't see it stopping in the next years at all it can't it can't it can't it's kind of built up on its own inflation right so it's uh, if you if you stop or if you even slow down then it all comes crashing it's not uh that's not an option (laughs) you can't you can't stop it from that side you have to stop it from the fat side of the pyramid first actually it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting um i'm really curious how the, the final shift will be between fiat and crypto let's just assume crypto continually grows in the next years and at some point crypto will overtake um, the fiat system you will have some nasty fiat mm-hmm. currency collapses and very very because inflation Definitely. will accelerate um, not because they print more money but because everybody will move their um, value or their, their money from fiat to cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. And this will be right. a nasty inflation yeah. at the end. And I see so many grandmas and people that are just didn't pay attention. So many people will lose money and just bam, it's gone. And mm-hmm. Yeah, from a societal standpoint, I believe we will see some turmoil there. But yeah, let's see. Yeah, it's it's gonna be weird when I mean, it's it's be, things get weird when you know the, the the value of what you use to determine the value of everything else suddenly shifts and crashes. You know, it's what do you what do you price yeah, things yeah, in? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, interesting times. Yeah, I remember back in two thousand fourteen. Back in 2014, I remember we were talking about moving the um, the pricing of crude oil away from the U.S. dollar and introducing things like uh, like the real and the and the ruble as well for for alternative means of pricing um, that particular commodity. And you know that that was well, it didn't happen in the end. OPEC disagreed, I guess. But you know that shift that it it affects. You know the it affects the the, the sorry the lack of scarcity of the fiat. Uh, currency or, or the demand therefore the lack of demand for it fundamentally also affects what you're pricing with it right until people figure out that it's better to exchange things for things than to price them yeah, and yeah, exchange definitely. them 
That is exactly, I mean, this was in 2014, I believe in, was it November or something? When, so just before the crude prices crashed, something like uh. 60%. <laughs> just before then, there were talks about um, introducing the petrol ruble as opposed yeah. to just the petrodollar. Um, yeah, yeah, fun times. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least now there's alternatives, man. Now there's, now there's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, there's stable coins based on gold. Hashtag cash gold. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, there, there's yeah, availability. Exactly. There's options. No, it's a good time, in my opinion. Just this year, we saw an exponential growth in the Lightning Network. I mean, Bitcoin locked up in the Lightning Network since the beginning of this year. It, it was a steep growth. So this was one of the criticism of the Lightning Network at the beginning, that there's actually no value locked up in the Lightning Network, and therefore the Lightning Network uh, doesn't work. This completely changed at mm -hmm. the end, uh, at the beginning of this year, where with all the Bitcoin hype we had through this market cycle at the beginning there, a lot of people started to first use the Lightning Network more, and with more usage of the Lightning Network, there's also more Bitcoin locked up. The, the thing is, because the Lightning Network doesn't have like a, a, its own token where you can invest and make quick gains on, like most, um, like most, I believe most decentralized exchanges have one and all the projects in Ethereum. Because you don't have a token like this, the, the amount of value the amount of Bitcoin locked up in the Lightning Network follows when there is a lot of payment activity in the Lightning Network. Because that's the, the only signal people use to know, is it worth to put my Bitcoin on Lightning? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I get that. Do you know, are they making a lot of use of Lightning now in El Salvador? If they do? Yeah. Yes, reading Twitter, and I know some people that were just recently in El Salvador with uh, the big Adopting Bitcoin conference. There is mm -hmm. some there is some usage in uh, El Salvador with, with the Lightning Network, like everyday usage, I would even say. People there, what I heard of, are just still a little bit afraid because they had a relatively chaotic shift from their native currency to the US dollar, it was 20 years ago. So they're all a bit afraid mm -hmm. to change to another currency like Bitcoin right now. Um, there is also a lot of skepticism against the government and El Salvador. <laughs> El Salvador has its own um, wallet, its own wallet service. It's called Chivo Wallet. This wallet just doesn't work. It's just they have ATMs and stuff and they have a lot of they have their own app, but the wallet is so shitty. So all the people that like lightning developers and like for example Blockstream people or the Bit Bitphoenix was also in this conference in El Salvador. All these people saw that. Yeah, the best recommendation there is just switch to lightning network apps that work like the Breeze wallet and <laughs> stuff like this. Yeah, you can use Lightning, it works, but you it's early. It's You need to inform yourself, you need to know to some extent what you're doing 
And uh, yeah, I believe adoption will rise in El Salvador. What do you think is the best lightning wallet right now for average users? The Moon Wallet, M-U-U-N, Moon Wallet, is decent, pretty good. Breeze, B-R-E-E-Z-C, I'm not sure the English vocabulary, (laughs) Z or C, is pretty good. If you're on an iPhone, I'm not sure which wallet to use there because the App Store has, for some reason, a lot of cryptocurrency restrictions that a lot of wallets, you can't download these wallets on an iPhone. I have no idea why. You can get Moon. Moon's so big daddy Apple. watching right there. Moon is an Apple? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. But these are some good wallets that you can use. Um, are they non-custodial? Because I remember Blue Wallet some time ago, and I think that's custodial, if I remember correctly. Yes. So Breeze and Moon are non-custodial wallets. Wallet of Satoshi and the Blue Wallet, these are custodial wallets. You can also try them. I personally don't like Wallet of Satoshi. Blue Wallet works perfectly on my phone. It's just custodial. But uh, yeah, Moon and Breeze, they're pretty good, pretty decent. Does everything for you. You can also do Bitcoin on-chain transactions. Works pretty well. I personally use BitPhoenix as an on-chain, off-chain swap. Basically just because on BitPhoenix you can convert Bitcoin to Lightning Bitcoin. It's the easiest way, in my opinion, to do that. And yeah, then you're good to go. Nice. Do you think use cases like El Salvador right now, adopting Bitcoin as, as, a, as a national currency, essentially, are a positive move into mass adoption or just going to be horror-level le- horror smoke shows? <laughs> I believe it will be good. It's just the, the one mistake, I'm yeah. not sure if it's a mistake, and I'm not sure how the reality is on the ground in El Salvador. But... People shouldn't be forced to do it. It's El Salvador, it's good that they're pushing in this direction and that it's like a national movement to do so. Uh, it also makes sense for them from a financial standpoint because they're just, they just have problems with the US dollar. And it's a good move, mm-hmm. but it just don't force people to do it. And it takes time. It's not like, hey, today we are on the US dollar and the next day we are on Bitcoin. It just doesn't work like this. Tech needs time to adopt. It will be good at the end. Tech takes time, especially tech with infrastructure requirements. Like you're not changing one bill for another bill. It's, it's, you're changing everything, like the fabric of what accounting systems work on, yeah. treasury systems, exactly. everything. Do you have any idea how they're handling the volatility of bitcoin in el salvador how do they price everyday items bitcoin goes up and down 20 percent in value in a week i don't know about el salvador like the the apps used down there specifically but for example strike uh, from check Mollers, they just use bitcoin to do for the transfers but you send and receive basically us dollar I believe it, for, mo- for some apps in El Salvador, you can do the same or automatic USD conversion at the end. If you want to avoid volatility, that is usually the way to go, right? But then the individual citizens are holding Bitcoin, right? So they're 
holdings are can be worth twenty percent less this week than last week. But they have a choice. They have a choice to convert them back to U.S. dollar. Then how is that value stored? That's that's the the custodian wallets of El Salvador. That's the reason why I say like the the state has its own wallet, which mostly doesn't work. <laughs> but it also requires KYC. That's another topic. But if you want to avoid volatility, you strike or use whatever, then you convert it back to U.S. dollar. But then it's a custodial service. Then you're no longer holding Bitcoin, right? Yeah, but that was my question. Like, how to get rid of the volatility? I don't understand what's the point then if you're using this state-controlled Bitcoin wallet to just hold dollars. It's a good point. There are a lot of things in El Salvador that doesn't run well yet, but we're going there. It just takes time. That's the reason why I say don't force people to use Bitcoin. If it's good enough, people will adopt it organically and uh, they will use it. You also have 20% volatility right now with uh, US dollar. So, because of all the inflation. It's, <laughs> it's a question, what do you want to do? Well, that's a good point. The inflation is much higher than it's been. That is a very valid point. Fuck with it. Late 70s. What do you price your stuff in and then what do you take as payment for it? And always going to be the question in uncertain times in terms yeah. of crazy inflation and exactly. whatnot. We're all going to go back to swapping stuff for stuff. If you want to buy my house, you give me yours. <laughs> so, gents, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really cool to have you. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, thank you, Brian. And um, yeah, let's do this again sometime. Thank you very much for this conversation. It's really good. Thank you all. And thank you, for t- and thank you everyone, for tuning into Cash Money. <laughs> See you all soon.